In this episode of the Diplomacy Dojo, your bored brother answers an email from a reader of the blog. This is part one of two. So, this week in the Diplomacy Dojo, I'm going to look at some write-in questions and talk about them myself rather than have a dialogue with a participant since this week I'm I'm just here on my own in the Diplomacy Dojo channel on Discord. I have some questions that were emailed to the Brotherboard blog from a fan named Dave. And Dave said I had a couple of topics I'd like to hear more about. You talked a little bit about the need to go over the stalemate line in mid-game. How do you do this? Also, you talked about how the Juggernaut isn't as strong as everyone thinks. Do you think the Wintergreen is stronger than the Juggernaut? Also, you talk a lot about the fact that Russia is not a corner power. I wondered if you can expand on this. And finally, an elaborate question about the corner power concept, which I will discuss when I get to the corner power question. So, Dave, thanks for writing in. I know that you wrote into Brotherboard quite a long time ago, and I haven't responded. And it'll probably be longer still before this dojo recording is in a, is edited to an episode. But I will, uh, Dave, I will let you know when this episode comes out, and I hope uh, that you enjoy it. I think these questions are very interesting and uh, give more than enough content to cover an episode of the Diplomacy Dojo. So let's take a look. First, the idea that the player must cross the stalemate line in mid-game if they're going to solo win. I'll explain what's going on here. Quote-unquote, the stalemate line. There is not one stalemate line in diplomacy. The And the idea of a stalemate line is something that doesn't even necessarily exist in every game. So the, the players are kind of loose with the terminology here. What this means is that each power has to expand really far from their starting position in order to reach 18 supply centers. There's only 34 supply centers on the board in diplomacy, so 18 is one more than 50%. And the diplomacy board is a, a pretty tight board. In the beginning, there's a lot of room to maneuver because there's a lot of powers. But once players start getting eliminated, there are a lot of empty spaces in the board where there's no more fighting and there's no need for units there anymore. And the, the units start getting crammed towards one section of the board where players are either expanding or trying to stop someone from expanding. And the units run out of room. The board can com be completely locked down in some situations, I think, with as few as 14 units, if I recall correctly. That this 14 units can form a line from one end of the board to the other, and behind them are at least 17 supply centers. So if uh, some combination of players puts units into a position like this, where there are at least 17 supply centers behind a defensive line that can't be overpowered anymore because you can't, in diplomacy, there's, there's, you run out of room on the board, you can't infinitely outflank, uh, there's edges on the map, uh, then the game stalemated. It's not possible for an aggressive player to advance any further. This is what we call a stalemate line. Some players call it the stalemate line, but I think that, you know, that can be a little misleading because there are many configurations on the board that result in a stalemate line of this kind. There are actually some smaller positions where you can, you can form a stalemate 
uh, with maybe like seven or nine centers on a certain small area of the map. Powers like England and Turkey have the ability to do this depending on the unit composition that they have. And uh, that's not the stalemate line that players are talking about. When we're talking in this context of how to get a solo win or prevent a solo win, the stalemate line is the line that would stop the number one most strongest power from being able to get a solo win. This means that in order to win, you got to prevent the other players from creating this position once you're trying to solo win. Otherwise, the only way you're going to win is if the other players just make some kind of mistake or if someone deliberately throws the game to you. So in most diplomacy matches, the way to to prevent other players from forming a stalemate line position against you while you try to go for a solo win is to acquire a couple of distant supply centers, at least one, maybe more than one, that will be pretty difficult for the other players to take back from you or even impossible once you start trying to go for the win. I'll explain what I mean. Let's say that you're England and you have, uh, for whatever reason, defeated France early and you've captured a few supply centers, maybe around Iberia or French home center, and you go on to take Tunis. That's very valuable because Tunis is a center that can be put behind an unbreakable defensive position from either the east or the west. A western line that has Tunis in it could be unbreakable from the east and vice versa. This is really important strategically because, hey, now as England, if I've got Tunis and I've got it in a defensible position, that's a center I won't have to fight for during endgame as an 18th supply center. A center like St. Petersburg or Kiel or Denmark or Paris that can be found in the West, those are centers that cannot be stalemated from the East or from the South. A Western power that has enough units can overpower those positions. Paris, Kiel, and St. Petersburg are, are not stalemateable just from defenders in the South. So those are supply centers that are not so important, and there are many others. They're not critical to capture early on because when England or a Western power like France or Germany is ascendant, they can get those supply centers almost inevitably. The, the supply centers that are questionable, well, will, it, will I actually be able to get these supply centers or not? Those are what players sometimes call quote-unquote stalemate line centers. Those are centers like Portugal, Spain, Marseille, Tunis, Munich, Berlin, Warsaw, Moscow, sometimes maybe Vienna or Sevastopol. And those are all centers that run along a line from the bottom left corner of the board to the top right corner of the board. And those are centers that could wind up on either side of a defensive line, a line that's coming from the northwest or a line that's forming from the southeast. A lot of players, when they're talking about the stalemate line, they're referring to this line of, of centers that are difficult to capture when they're being defended by a strong defense, maybe even impossible if enough units are lined up, they could be stalemated. In addition to that, there's an area of empty territories that runs between them that I often call no man's land. This is like uh, North Africa, Western Mediterranean or Tyrrhenian Sea, Piedmont, Tyrolia, Bohemia, Silesia, Prussia, Livonia. These territories do not have any supply centers in them. So to pass through that area, 
and fight for centers on the other side of no man's land means that a player either has to have a lot of spare units or be taking a risk that one of their neighbors isn't going to attack them while they while they go far away and attack. This is what is meant by sometimes crossing the stalemate line early on. So how to do this? One way to cross the stalemate line well before going for a solo win is to play an alliance with one of your neighbors that will allow you to do so. This is a major point or a big reason to play an alliance in the game of diplomacy and why high-level matches of diplomacy tend to be a lot more alliance-focused than matches that are played by beginners. Because once a power gets the majority of the supply centers that are near them, they can usually overpower the rest of their neighbors. But that will only get them to 15, 16, or 17 supply centers. Taking out your neighbors will only get you that far. So to win, you got to get supply centers from much further away. And if you're trying to do this in mid-game, as the question presents, hey, how do you get over the, supply, the stalemate line in mid-game? That means you're going over the stalemate line, so to speak, before you've actually defeated all your neighbors. This means there is value in allying with your neighbor such that you're able to capture these distant centers. For example, I gave England earlier, uh, maybe wanting to get Tunis early on because that's really valuable. That's a center that's normally possessed by a southern power like, like Italy, and it could be defensible. Okay, I want to get this. That will mean that England is sending through a lot of fleets into the Mediterranean earlier in the match. So this will be before Germany and Russia are eliminated, probably. Likely France has been destroyed if, if England's getting this far. But let's say England has six or seven supply centers and is now sending two or three fleets into the Mediterranean. That means that England's taken a pretty big risk, that, the, the, that almost half their forces or some significant chunk of them are going into the Mediterranean where they will likely never ever be useful again against England's neighbors Germany and Russia. But if England has a good relationship with one of those neighbors, and then uh, they have some trust, uh, their pieces are not positioned in an aggressive way, then maybe England feels comfortable and can, can do this. Uh, a lot of times the way to reach that situation is to help your neighbor ally also get some supply centers that are far away across the stalemate line. In this way, both players now have a reasonable chance of being able to get a solo win. Probably they're going to have to backstab one another. One's going to have to successfully backstab the other to win. But that's a reason to continue cooperating, not just try to take each other out right away because you're neighbors. Hey, you know, both of us will have a big chance of prevailing in the game. And certainly other powers are going to struggle to ever be a solo win threat if an alliance of powers is creeping way far away into the other spheres in the board. So that's that's one way. That's probably the most common way. I could give any number of examples. Um, if you're playing a juggernaut, that might mean Turkey, in alliance with Russia, expands all the way into Iberia, capturing far centers like Spain and Portugal while working with Russia, and Russia tries to capture distant centers like maybe Holland uh, or London or something, and they both go really far. Or... If you're playing as an Italy-Austria alliance, maybe Italy goes and captures Marseille and is getting over into Paris, 
And meanwhile, Austria is trying to take uh, Berlin and St. Petersburg. And, and that those are things that, could, that can realistically happen in an alliance between neighbors that they could get some, some centers that are normally beyond their grasp because they are prioritizing these distant centers over conquering all their neighbors. Speaking even at, a, at an even higher diplomatic level, powers who control these distant centers that I've just said earlier are quite defensible, will likely put up that defense if they see this pair of allies trying to quote-unquote cross the stalemate line. If I am England and I see that Italy is trying to come very far west and Austria wants to penetrate into the north, I know that if they capture those centers, that may forever doom my ability as England to get a solo win because now this pair of players has five or six of the supply centers, all of which I need if I'm going to solo win. It starts making that really unlikely. So I might help other powers like Russia or Germany or France put up some kind of defense, either permit them to do so or even facilitate that defense so that Austria and Italy can't expand that far. That's pretty likely. And those defenses are real easy to set up around these centers. Like by, by definition, the famous stalemate line centers are very easy to defend as long as players put up that defense. So from the perspective of powers who are trying to cross the stalemate line in mid-game, this means that you not only want to work with your neighbor ally to cross the stalemate line, you want to disguise your intention to do so. You don't want the other powers to appreciate what you're about to do. They understand that this increases your chances of being able to win by a lot and reduces their chances of being able to win down to next to nothing. Uh, so they're going to try to prevent it. And most players of, of inexperienced or, or moderate level, their, their alliance will start falling apart uh, once it's made its, its once it's accomplished its mid-game goals. The players can get really mistrustful. Or they backstab each other too early. One of them backstabs the other because uh, they think that's just the next thing to do. So this would be something like Italy and Austria work together to take out Turkey. And then as soon as Turkey's being finished off, Italy uh, backstabs Austria and tries to finish off Austria. That's a that's a way to ensure that Italy is very, very strong in the endgame. But not a great way to ensure that Italy solo wins because at this point, Italy hasn't captured any supply centers that are across the stalemate line. Now Italy's going to have, I don't know, 15 supply centers and the players are going to see the solo win attempt coming a mile away and lock it down. And it, it, you'll struggle to solo win with that strategy. It's a great way to get into a draw, not a great way to solo win. But players will do it anyway. So if you're Italy and Austria in this situation and you both of you genuinely want to keep expanding and cross the stalemate line and get these distant centers, then a, a great diplomatic plan is to say to everybody else on the board, that you're going to backstab each other as soon as the uh, opportunity arises, uh, that will seem very credible. So if Austria is saying, "I'm just looking, I'm just looking for a chance to backstab Italy as soon as it comes, I'm going to do it. I don't trust them." And Italy's saying, oh, "I don't think, though. I don't can't trust the Austrian very much. I think I'm going to have to backstab Austria as soon as I can. Just you wait." Then uh, other powers like England, France, or Germany, let's say. They may not prioritize defending those stalemate line centers because they think that the problem is just going to resolve itself. Italy and Austria are, are going to come to blows soon, and I don't really have to worry about this. And I, what I should focus on is, is consolidating my side of the board or something like that. Statements like that coming from the two allies will seem very plausible because that's what a lot of, that's what a lot of players do. 
once they've accomplished some early game goals with their ally, they backstab that ally to try to maximize their supply center count and maybe not so much their strategic goals. So to summarize, to get over the stalemate line in mid-game, a great strategy is to have a plan with a reliable neighbor ally that you've had since the beginning of the game or some early point in the game that you have developed a relationship of cooperation and trust and you together try to cross the stalemate line to ensure that other powers can't solo win and that if anybody's to solo win, it's going to be one of these two allies. But meanwhile, present a diplomatic front to other players that your alliance is not very strong and that you um, are don't trust each other and are probably going to backstab each other pretty soon. That is a strategy that's fairly effective uh, at crossing the stalemate line in mid-game. A second strategy for getting across the stalemate line is to send a single unit far away when you can afford to do so. Some players will call this unit a raider, although I think that that term might be used a little more precisely. I'll explain what I mean. When trying to form a stalemate line, to truly create a stalemate line, there needs to be no hostile units behind that line. So let's say that Germany is trying to solo win and has consolidated power over most of the north and controls, I don't know, Warsaw and Moscow. It's looking pretty good, but the other players are able to form a stalemate line. But maybe Germany has an army that got somewhere really crazy, like it's in Albania uh, or uh, Apulia or somewhere. Somewhere Italy got, I mean, uh, Germany got an army that that's far away and behind the defensive line. This means that the stalemate line cannot really be formed because that raider could either break the support hold orders that are necessary to form the line or capture a random supply center so that Germany can reach 18, even though Germany only has 17 permanently defensible centers. That's what a raider does. Having a raider is an excellent tactical route towards getting a solo win, and uh, some players will struggle to figure out what they're supposed to do tactically because the raider can only be defeated by being totally surrounded so that it's forced to disband when it's dislodged. And if the raider has to be surrounded by a large number of pieces in order to be disbanded, that may, those pieces may be trading off with the pieces that are needed to form a stalemate line. And so the defending players are now in an extremely difficult tactical situation where they have to, to guess how they're supposed to apply their units, where they need to defend, where, where's this raider going to go. It can be very challenging for the defenders and therefore uh, very advantageous for the player who's going for a solo win. So you don't necessarily have to go for supply centers that you think you can incorporate into a defensible situation. So like England, hey, I'm going to capture Tunis and incorporate into a defensive line. You don't necessarily have to do that. You could just send one fleet into the Mediterranean and try to get it, dig it deep in there far away. Like, okay, now it's going into uh, Western Mediterranean. Now it's going into Tyrrhenian Sea. It went into Naples briefly maybe capturing it, maybe not, but then got further away, retreated into Apulia. And so now, okay, when, when Endgame comes around, let's say England's got a fleet in Aegean Sea or Ionian Sea or Adriatic Sea, something like that, some, some place that's like really far out of the way. That could be a big nuisance, this, this, this fleet that was just a weird w unit wandering around earlier on during an Endgame situation can become that raider the raider that is trying to capture a random supply center or can break the stalemate line from behind. 
to to set that up, you do have to have a spare unit somewhere, obviously one spare unit that can be spared to do this. And it has to have some path of sneaking its way through deeper behind enemy lines. That's that's pretty challenging, in my opinion. Setting up for a raider is much more effort than playing an alliance uh, in a way that can cross the stalemate line through its natural expansion. However, I think that the the advantage of playing this way is that you don't have to trust anybody exactly to do it. As long as you have a unit that can tactically be spared, you can just start start doing it. There are some powers that are better at this than others at sparing a unit, in my opinion. There are also tactical situations that make this a little easier to do. Sometimes this extra unit or the raider can be generated by accident. Let's say, for example, that you are Turkey and at some point you capture Munich and it gets dislodged and you retreat into Ruhr. Sometimes players don't think that through, that um, in diplomacy you can retreat forward. You can retreat towards your enemy. So the word retreat is maybe not um, <laughs> you know, a little misleading. It just means you have to move the piece somewhere unoccupied. But that can be away from your home centers and towards the enemy. So if you're Turkey and you capture Munich and you get knocked out and you retreat into Ruhr, that's a that's hey, that leave that army where it is. As long if they if they never surround it and destroy it, that army could become a raider later on. And uh that could be really valuable. Even if you're at, uh, I don't know, eight or ten supply centers, if you look for an opportunity either on your own to send a unit away that could become a raider later, or the other players force you to retreat in a way that, hey, you know, maybe I'll just retreat further away. They could accidentally set you up for this raider situation. It's risky. It's risky to to spare a unit. When you're playing in the heat of the match, it almost always feels like every single one of my units is indispensable. I need each of these units to do things, to make support orders and defend these positions. I, I know. I get that. But once you reach the game state where you have truly extra units, units that are literally have nothing to do, um, the other player, you've got you've got 14 or 15 units, and it's really obvious that you're going to be able to go for a solo win. So if you try to send extra units once it's once you already have more units than you can spare, the other players will understand that they need to form a stalemate line. They'll already be doing it at that point. If they're going to form that stem line, they'll already be doing it. So you have to take a risk somewhere. Uh, in order to cross the stalemate line in mid-game, there's got to be some risk taking, either ri taking risk and trusting your neighbor ally or taking a risk and sparing a unit. This is, I guess I could call this a tactical risk. The cost has to come from somewhere. Otherwise, everyone will be doing it all the, all the time, I guess you could say. So that's my advice uh, on how to cross the stalemate line in mid-game. This episode was made possible by the generous support of people like you. For more information, visit patreon.com slash brotherboard. You can learn more from your board brother at brotherboard.com. If you enjoyed this episode, remember to subscribe, share, and review. And thanks to Loyalty Freak Music for the theme music, It Feels Good to Be Alive too.